1: Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Chen. Stefan,
2: what was your first email address? I don't want to say it's my current email (laughs) address. (laughs) 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 Uh, But my first instant messenger, my AIM name was joseph 2 g Because a girl that I liked called me Joseph. You were like, all right, I'm 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 Joseph now. It
1: happened. Uh, everybody, Melinda says, I'm Joseph, I'm Joseph.
2: What's your tagline? Uh, it's a gosh darn lovely day. Oh, Sam
1: Schultz is here as well. What's your tagline, Sam? Spider anxiety. Sari Riley has joined us today. How many Earths would it fit inside of the sun?
0: Oh. Okay, I'm gonna guess, and then you laugh if I'm way off. <laughs> Three hundred
2: fifty.
1: Oh, that's gotta- oh, that seems low. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, you way off.
1: Oh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't know how big things are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's over a million. Oh, whoa! That's
0: a lot. I feel like once things get a certain amount of big, I I'm yeah. not good at understanding how big they are relative to each other. I know that's, like, a human problem, but me especially, even with, like, crowds above 50 people, like, I don't know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that could be 100 or 300.
1: Uh, What's your tagline, Sari?
0: egg apocalypse.
1: And I'm Hank Green, and my popsicle is Taco Burp. Every week here at SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up a maze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding sandbox from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but... We're not always going to be good at that, so if the rest of the team deems your tangent unworthy, we'll force you to give up one of your Sam bucks. So tangent with care! Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from Sam. This poem was already read by
3: me in the unreleased pilot episode, so this is kind of a behind the scene uh, (laughs) peek for everybody, Uh and not due to my complete mess of a life. My dad always says when he was a kid, there were frogs all over. You'd hear them all night, sitting by the stream, doing whatever frogs do. In the time I've been around, I've seen a couple frogs, swimming somewhere maybe, I don't really remember. I think I probably know where they all went, but I won't go into it here. I know some other frogs, like Kermit or the Budweiser frogs, and they are good frogs, but there used (laughs) to be more. <laughs> cool.
1: very different. It's a very different vibe from our current <laughs> Tangents poems. Very free yeah, that was form. the very first Are, Tangents
3: poem ever written. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. They're a little happier now usually. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. That was just kind of like a collection of thoughts that you think at two a.m. about
1: frogs. So the topic today is frogs. Sari, what's a frog? We actually (laughs) my favorite part of the podcast is when I get to say that. (laughs) Sari, what's wind? Sari, (laughs) what's the sky? And I'm just like, I'm gonna sit back and get learned on.
0: So we actually have a definition for frogs, which are exciting. Um, They're amphibians in the order Anura. So there's a Mm -hmm. whole order of them in the class amphibia. And basically, they are very diverse, but they're pretty stout, tailless amphibians. And they're widely distributed across the planet from the tropics to subarctic regions. And toads are frogs. So toads are the family bufonidae, or bufonidae, which is a subcategory of the order Anura. All all toads are frogs, not all frogs are toads. I...
1: I am a little surprised that you included the word stout in your official definition of a frog. (laughs) Because to me, stout is a completely subjective thing. But then I look at a frog and I'm like... Yeah, compared to like other reptiles which are very long Mm -hmm. they're kind of stout
0: yeah they're not very long they're not very tall so the only adjective to describe them is stout
1: stout uh, yeah okay are you looking (laughs) up the uh, definition of stout yeah I just I've never quite locked on to what stout
3: means Mm. it means whatever like a little teapot is stout
0: (laughs) Winnie the Pooh is stout in my brain
1: Winnie the Pooh is definitely stout yeah Sari do you know the etymology of frog which is a great word
0: (laughs) It is a great word, and it's even better because it's mysterious. Like, Whoa. I can't find a good etymology for frog. The Proto Indo European root is pru, P R E U, to hop. And then it just jumps to uh-huh. frog or Old Norse frosker or Old English frogge. And uh-huh. so at mm. some point, we switched from jump to frog. And who knows? <laughs> uh, a linguist somewhere, maybe. But then, like, rana is the Latin word for it, which is sort of, like, croaking. And then bufo is toad from Latin. But, like, I mm-hmm. don't know. They're all, it's, like, from hopping or slimy or I don't have an answer. What, what else are you going to
1: call the them, though, really? They are frogs. Yeah. So it's basically, like, calling something like jumper, which that's what yeah. i call it if I didn't know what it was <laughs> called. Well, thank you, Sarah Riley and Dictionary Corner. <laughs> now it is time for <laughs> One of our panelists, and it's Sari, has brought three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is real. The rest of us have to figure out which is the true one, either by deduction or a wild guess. And if you get it right, you get a sandbuck. If not, then Sari gets the sandbuck. And remember, you can play at home at twitter.com slash scishowtangents. So Sari... What are your three facts? So
0: part of what's so weird and incredible about many frog species is the drastic change from a baby tadpole to an adult frog, which is sort of like what we were talking about with tails. So which of these weird tadpoles is real?
3: Oh, weird tadpoles. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know there that's... were many kinds of tadpoles.
0: There are. You're going to learn about them. <laughs> so number one, after hatching the tadpole of the species Notoden Benetti poops out a sticky super glue-like substance in a lump. Small phytoplankton or algae or things like that get stuck to that glue poop and then the tadpole can just slurp it up to get food plus their nutrients back. And then they poop again and the cycle repeats so they can cautiously venture out for food but always have a safety lump of glue poop stored up. Number two, the tadpole of the species Microlaxis herii are really muscular and flat. They have stiff ribs on their tummy and bulbous eyes covered in a layer of skin, so they sort of look like tiny buff eels instead of your typical tadpole. And that's because they don't swim around in water, they live in wet sand and need to be strong enough to burrow through the particles without getting
1: hurt. Okay, good. Or
0: number three, the tadpole of the species Ascaphus montanus is sort of like a mini Hulk vampire. After they hatch, they have leech like mouths and suction onto the nearest living thing, like a fish <gasps> in many cases. They feed like a parasite, and they grow about two to four times larger than the adult frogs of that species, some even approaching a foot long. So these are really big babies, and when they metamorphose, they get smaller instead of bigger. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. How big are they? Two to four times larger than the adult frogs, some even approaching a foot long. I hate that. But, like, the adult (laughs) frogs are, like, two to three inches, and then bigger Mm. than that. So it can vary from, like... Four inches, but some of them have been found to be very big, beefy tadpoles.
1: Okay, so we've got a tadpole that poops out sticky super glue to catch food. A tadpole that looks like a buff eel and swims around in the sand instead of looking like a tadpole. So it looks like a like a buff eel. I'm just, I want to Google it, but I can't because that would break the game. Or third... A tadpole that's like a mini Hulk vampire. These all got to be true. That, that all seems perfectly possible to me, that there would be any of those things. I love secreting glues, but I know <laughs> yeah. a number of organisms secrete glue, and so that's
2: making that's drawing me away from it. I just think you wouldn't secrete it out your butt. You, like, oh. you would accidentally super glue your butt shut. That's a good point, <laughs> that and yet that
1: that does go poorly. That I happens think- to baby chickens. It's called poopy butt. No, I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but it is a real thing, where they, like, b- pasty butt, maybe? And they have to, like, clean their little butt so that they can poop. Oh. Huh. I think you'd be immune to your own glue, maybe, though, or is that not
3: how glue works?
1: I mean, I think it could certainly be how glue works. Evolution <laughs> has all kinds of tricks up its sleeve. Okay. But then you have to eat your own butt to... Eat the food if that works. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, animals don't mind eating their own
1: butts though. Okay. And that's like, that's their like primary slash only way of eating.
0: Yeah. For the first few bit of life when they're just newly hatched.
1: So we got buff eels in the sand as well. Yeah. This one
3: freaks me out because you said they had ribs and that's making me think about how bones work in a tadpole Uh, do tadpoles have bones are they just born like a skull and they grow more bones or do they (laughs) not even have a skull what's their deal i
0: think they have basic bones i know frogs have bones right yeah my guess is that tadpoles just have fewer
1: yeah i mean they're they're vertebrates so they gotta have a spine and then probably they gotta have something for their muscles to connect to
3: Yeah. yeah so ribs don't seem out of the question but also
1: i've never heard of a tadpole that doesn't live in water
2: well, it yeah. could be like
1: wet sand. It's got to be wet sand. And then we've got the the vampire tadpole. And my only problem with this is that like, wouldn't somebody have told me if there was a vampire <laughs> tadpole? I feel like that would have come up.
2: Are there other things that get bigger in,
1: before they become an adult? Oh, yeah. Bugs do this all the time where their oh. larvae are bigger than the eventual
2: bug. What hmm. the hell? I'm trying to find anything that will help me determine which got of these is them. fake, and yeah, I have no okay. idea. Yeah,
1: I really—they're—they're they're all very good. They all seem completely both plausible and also absolutely bizarre. I'm sure that every single frog, every <laughs> frog, go pick a frog, and this is what I did for my fact-off fact. You pick a frog. There's something weird about that frog. Something really <laughs> weird about it. All right, everybody, the moment has arrived. Go to twitter.com slash tangents to vote. And now we will vote. The butt glue seems so boring
3: by comparison to the other two. <laughs> so I think, well, I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with that one. The butt glue one.
2: I'm going to go with the buff eel. Well, I'll go. I I, I don't know. I'm going to go with the buff eel too. I don't really have a reason. Well, at least right.
1: you, you're going to make me feel less lonely uh, in our <laughs> loss. Sari, sorry. Is it the buff eel?
0: It is the buff eel. Wow. It's oh. the buff eel. Yeah. <laughs> what looks? Yeah, I can't believe you both got it right. I was really proud of my lies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were both great, and you also like had great back, like good information about them. Mm.
0: So they are all based off of real things. But to start with the real one, the buff eel tadpole, they just exist, uh, <laughs> which is very cool. <laughs> so they are. Indian dancing frogs. So like India, the country. And they were named for the fact that they stick out their legs really long to do mating dances, which is very fun and cute. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, they're dancing frogs. So even though we discovered those frogs 125 years ago, as of 2016, I think, or 2014, no scientist had ever seen their tadpoles. And their tadpoles were the last to be discovered out of all known I think, species of frogs and toads out oh. there. Oh, wow. Uh, were they
3: just looking in the wrong place? Is yeah, that why? Yeah,
0: <laughs> they were looking in the water. Oh. Yeah, it's the only family out of the 54 frog and toad families that they hadn't seen tadpoles because they were always looking in the water. And then eventually, one group of scientists in 2014 to 2016-ish like started digging in the sand because they were like, I don't know, we've looked everywhere else. <laughs> and then they found a bunch of little wormy things. That oh, looks like tadpoles. Really gross. That like wriggled away from them and buried <laughs> deeper into the sediment. And so they were like, ah, it's the tadpoles. And so these are called fossorial tadpoles because they live underground instead of in water. And it is wet sand. Um and they do still breathe through their skin as far as I know. But they just like eat. The sand so their intestines were full of sand and their outside is covered with a thick layer of skin so their eyeballs don't get scratched up by sand Ew. and they just live their tadpole lives as though what do you mean they eat the water.
3: sand what are they eating like well, there's food in the sand
0: yeah there's probably like little crumbs of stuff in the sand little tiny yeah. chunks of algae um, and they're getting nutrients from it, but yeah, their their entire digestive tracts were full of sand. I
1: I love that there was a long period of time, and this would have been a good fact too, where you're just like, there's a there's a frog that we don't know where it comes from. It's just like <laughs> a mystery frog, Is there a vampire tadpole.
0: That is like a mixture of two. There is not a vampire tadpole. There is a tadpole. It's like the Rocky Mountain tailed frog, and their tadpoles have leech like mouths, and they stick onto the bottom of rocks and in rushing streams and just stay there Mm. to be safe. And so when a researcher picked them up, they were like, ah, it leached onto my hand. Is this really a tadpole? Um, But that's just their adaptation to surviving in more fast paced waters. Mm -hmm. They latch onto surfaces. Mm. And then there are paradox frogs, which do exist. They are frogs where the tadpole is way bigger than the frog, but the eggs are normal sized. So that's fine for the mother frogs. They don't have to lay, like, humongo eggs to get the giant baby.
3: They just have to look at their ugly babies.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they leave them behind, and the babies forage themselves, oh, so... yeah, That's good. There is no super glue poop, but there is a frog mm. called the crucifix frog, and it's really cute. It's really lumpy. It's, like, my favorite kind of frog appearance where they look kind of like a rock and look kind of sad and grumpy. It has evolved a sticky goo secretion from glands on its skin and back. They use it to attract insects to their skin and then they just like shed their entire skin and eat it. So
1: very similar to this. Holy shit!
0: Yeah. And they also use the glue to attach to their partner during mating, so, like, nothing slips and slides where it shouldn't. Mm,
1: I love it. Eat my own skin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next, we're going to take a short break, and then it'll be time for the Fact Off.
0: Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S.
1: show Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things... Is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then <sighs> buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to this stuff. You have to eat this stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards you have to,
3: Or you're gonna need one because they have over thirty-five meals to choose from, flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress, even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com tangents fifty and use code tangents fifty to get fifty percent off. That's code tangents fifty at factormeals.com slash tangents fifty to get fifty percent off.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Sandbuck totals. It's a tie game. Everybody's got one. That means that Stefan and I have the chance to run off with it here because it's time for the fact off. We have each brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. Sari and Sam each have a Sandbuck to award to the fact that you like the most and to decide who's going to go first. We have a trivia question. Who's going to ask it to us? Oh, I will. The average
3: golden dart frog carries about one milligram of poison in its skin glands, which is enough to kill how many mice? A hundred mice. A hundred mice. Okay. Hank, how many mice? Five hundred mice. Whoa. <laughs> wow. You guys are not prepared for this. It is 10,000 mice.
1: Oh, what? Holy crap.
3: Or 10 well. to 20 humans or two African bull elephants. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my hell? god that is a toxic boy it seems yeah. like a,
3: a little bit overkill i
1: suppose but how do i get like just like by what eating it or injecting it i imagine just looking at it's it a
0: tropical frog it's touching it to your mucous membrane so like getting it inside you somehow when i was in okay. costa rica uh doing some volunteer work I convinced one of the guides to let me touch a poison dart frog. My teacher was not into it, the guide very much so. And he was like, you can touch it, but once your hand starts feeling super tingly, you've got to wash your hands and don't touch your eyeballs or tongue or anything in between. Otherwise, you'll probably get poisoned. I loved it. I was in high school and it was one of the most exciting experiences of my whole life.
1: I've suddenly started to feel bad that I employ Sari Riley keeping her from her dream of being a frog scientist full time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's like we've discovered something you're a big fan of frogs. Yeah.
0: I didn't know it. It's awakening something inside me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did your hand feel really weird?
0: Yeah, it did. It started feeling like it was falling asleep a little bit, mm. like oh,
1: that narutoxin. kind of tingly. Oh. All right. Well, I guess I'll go first then. I want to tell you guys about this frog. It's called the Tungara frog. And different animals build all kinds of nests, and they're good for protecting their young animals. And you might turn to a hardy material like sticks or leaves, something that'll last a while and and protect Protect your young. Túngara frogs build nests, not out of either of those things. They are found throughout Central America, South America, and the Caribbean. And you might see their nests lining the edges of ponds, or puddles, or just bits of standing water. And so, to make the nest, I've not that I have not described to you yet. The the female Túngara <laughs> frog will release her eggs along with a special. fluid cocktail of protein and carbohydrates. The male... Frog will then whip that fluid into a foamy lather by stirring his oh. legs around while also adding his sperm into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> and that spermy foam will keep the eggs hydrated and protect them from microbes and other potential environmental concerns. And if conditions are good, the they will emerge from that foam three days later. But scientists have observed the foam nests lasting for 10 days. So if you can imagine like getting a, Getting a cappuccino that the foam stays (laughs) for 10 days. That's the situation we're looking at here. And this is actually pretty weird chemically. So scientists are very curious about it. There are ways to make foam that lasts this long, but the detergent molecules that we would do that would be small enough that they would get through the eggs or the sperm and damage the inside of them, which is the exact opposite of what you want this Foam nest to do. So, because they can't use that like what we would do, and we don't know any other way to do it, we had to study this and found that uh, this all sort of hinges on one very unique protein inside of this protein carbohydrate mixture. So they studied all the components of the foam. It was mostly made up of six proteins that serve various antimicrobial and anti-insect defense purposes, which is pretty amazing. So six different proteins that do that. But one called RSN2 that provided that detergenty surfactant property to make the foam, but was too large to enter into and disrupt the uh, membranes of the of the sperm and the eggs, so it might even actually also bind to those other proteins and carbohydrates to stabilize the bubbles and sort of like present out the antimicrobial, anti-insect uh, parts, and then that just makes like a nice, beautiful, microbless sperm foam for the frog's <laughs> eggs to live inside of. <laughs>
0: when the Babies hatch, do they eat the foam? Is it like nutritional also or is it just like they leave it behind?
1: I think they just leave it behind. I did not see any reference to them eating the foam though. That would be great because if the first your first act as a organism <laughs> is just to eat the the <laughs> leavings of your parents' coitus.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. I hate it when
3: you
1: say it that <laughs> just, right. I really ruined Tuna on that one. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's getting ready to not he's, work here anymore. <laughs> 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 uh.
3: Are they going to make like shampoo out of this frog foam? Is there
1: something we can do with it? (laughs) Yeah, there, there is, though, there weren't any published papers, but there's been a little bit of research on whether it would be a good like delivery mechanism for antimicrobial stuff. Mm -hmm. So to, to either use their micro antimicrobial things or to use ours, but sort of like use this weird surfactant protein to, bind antimicrobial molecules to it so that you can like rub it on a wound also i the way that the uh the males whip the foam up with their legs is pretty worth watching so we'll we'll put that put it up on the on (laughs) on sideshowtangents.org they really
2: whip it up all right stefan what do you got When you build robots, you're usually using synthetic materials. And so like if you make a bunch of nanobots and for some purpose to put them in the environment or in your body, because they're not super biocompatible, you can end up with side effects in the environment or side effects in your body. So this team took frog stem cells and built little bio-robots out of them that are designed to perform different tasks. Like they could collect microplastics or other toxic substances, or you could use Mm. them in the body to clear plaque out of your arteries. And since they're just made out of cells, they're super biocompatible. And so they designed these robots using an evolutionary algorithm. So they like tell the algorithm, we're using pluripotent stem cells and cardiac stem cells. What you got? And they, these are cells from the African clawed frog. And then they program it with different desired behaviors. So I think all of them like can locomote in some way. Some of them are op- oriented more towards object manipulation and some are oriented more towards object transportation. Mm. And so they got a bunch of these designs and took the most promising ones and then built them out of actual frog stem cells. And so to do that, they perform little microsurgery on the frog embryos to separate the cells out. And then in the video, it looks like they let the cells coalesce into like a sphere naturally. And then they perform surgery on the sphere to like sculpt it into the shape that the algorithm spit out. And then they layer in these cardiac cells in specific places. Also, according to the designs that are that are generated by the ai and so then they have these little biobots and there's no like nervous system or brain or anything like that but the combination of the physical shape and the properties of the cells that they use cause these behaviors that they're looking for to just spontaneously emerge Ah, and so how big is this thing pretty small they're they're not that many cells Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. it's enough to like like one of them looks like kind of like a human tooth with four little legs yeah. okay and there's a version okay. that's like a tooth with only two legs oh and man. there's some that look like rubik's cubes but if you poke out all the middle squares so it has like holes it, oh. and the, the center is hollowed out and then all the like cardiac cells just naturally start contracting and they said that they didn't select for this but that they just sort of naturally like work together and so acts like a little muscle and like flexes the legs in just the right way to like get it to move (laughs) it's very weird and if you cut them they self-heal and maintain the shape of the design and then there's sort of a built-in like lifespan timer because they eventually like they don't eat so Whatever like Mm. embryonic energy reserves they have is like whatever they have. And then once that runs out, they just die. And then they're just a bunch of cells that get reabsorbed or whatever into whatever, like, I guess, if they were in your body. And so they imagine that you could use these to like trap microplastics or clean up other environmental pollutants or you could have them transport medicine through the body to specific places or or clear out plaque in the arteries, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, and they describe them as bespoke living systems, which I thought was kind of fun.
1: I, I like when, <laughs> so they've got like the sort of uh, three-dimensional designed version that you can sort of see like, here's what we were doing, and then they've got the actual
2: cell, or the actual, not cell, but, I don't know what to it's, call it's, this it, thing. It, they call them biobots, but it's like... Because yeah. it's not an organism. It's not a lie. Yeah. But it's like Yeah, so cells, little, these little
1: biobots, when they're zoomed up in close on them, they do not look good. They look upsetting to me. Why were frogs'
3: stem cells specifically good for this? Could it be any stem cell? Uh, or I, I
2: don't know if why frogs specifically, but I, it it might just be that they know... Like they had a good enough idea of the properties of these frog stem cells that they could simulate it well. Uh, And so that the simulated designs, they could be confident that it would translate to the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not actually sure.
1: That's pretty cool, man. (laughs) That's pretty cool. I don't know if it's a frog, but it's pretty cool. (laughs) It's it's parts of a frog. That's not a frog. (laughs) But
0: But is it stout? Would you call these little
2: things?
3: (laughs) Yeah, those
1: are definitely stout. Definitely. All right. So it's time to vote. Would you vote for oh, the no. Tungara frog that creates a durable foam nest for their eggs or a team of researchers that made little bio robots from frog embryo stem cells that could be used to clean up the environment or in medicine?
3: I don't know. I don't. This is right. really hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. Three, two, one. Stephen. Stephen. Fuck me. Whoa. It, blew
0: my, it blew my mind. It, like, made my stomach actually queasy (laughs) thinking about these two frog cells. It's like, this is the first step to Frankenstein's monsters. Like, fully reanimated cells that have no nervous system. They're just blobbing around, responding (laughs) to stimuli. All
1: right. That means it's time to ask the science couch. So we've got a listener question for our couch, digital virtual couch of finally honed scientific minds. It's from at KRSKJ1018. What makes the tongue of a frog sticky? And I'm gonna go ahead and say the answer to this question is proteins. Yeah, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a, that's kind of a cop out. That's what makes everything everything mm-hmm. for the most part in uh. animals. But yeah, I, that's all. That's literally that's as specific as I can get.
0: So it's a twofold combination. Frogs are wild. I love frogs. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gotta, welcome to our new podcast, show Frogs.
0: This is our frog cast. Hello. I'm your host, Frog Tongues Weird. Two things about them. One, they're really soft and squishy. They're like um the scientists created a machine to basically poke the the frog tongue tissue uh and poke other tissues as well and they found that Frog tongues are about 10 times softer than human tongues and are also about as soft as human brains. So they're very, very oh, squishy. Oh,
1: wow. And
3: that's soft. And that means when
0: it hits an insect, the tongue deforms. So a lot of contact is made uh, with the insect okay. because it's so mm-hmm. soft. And then the second part of fro- magic frog tongues is their saliva, and that's where proteins particularly come in. It is a two-phase viscoelastic fluid it like changes its thickness, like depending on the speed at which something is pulled and at at the speed at which it's moving. And so when it hits an insect, the saliva is liquidy and seeps into cracks. And then when it pulls really fast, mm. uh, the force on it makes the mm. saliva really, really sticky. And then it gets into the frog's mouth. And then without the extra movement, then the saliva becomes less sticky again so that the frog can blink and squeeze the insect down its
3: throat. That's genius. Oh, I never thought about how it's how it can actually swallow the stuff.
1: Yeah, if it's got to be really sticky, it's hard to get it off your tongue. Yeah. Unless you're just eating your own skin. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, but, it's a separate mechanism. Yeah, so it
0: starts out thin and liquidy, and then as soon as it attaches on the insect and during that big yank, then it becomes really thick and gloopy, and then it becomes thin and liquidy again.
1: So does that mean it's non-newtonian? I think then? so. Yeah. Yes. If it changes the properties based on other properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you want to ask the Science Couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter, at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at Void6425, at Jameson D. Moore, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions for this episode. Sam Buck finals scores! Sari and Hank and Sam all combined. If we were all working together, we would have tied with (laughs) Stefan, who has three points to our one. Thank you. Which means... But Stefan? is now He's the in leader. the lead. Whoa. <laughs> Chin bucks, let's go. And I'm still, oh God, I'm not not just behind, I'm, I'm dragging so far back there that it really does seem insurmountable <laughs> at this point. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. Very helpful. Let's us know what you like about the show. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from the episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell people, people about us. us. And if you want to listen to SciShow Tangents, Tangents ad-free. You could do that on Luminary. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the Wonderful Team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our social media organizer is Paula Garcia-Prieto. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna-Medish. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But
3: one more thing... In 1916, H.W.M. Kindle, who was a British Army doctor stationed in India, wrote in the British Medical Journal that uh, thanks to an abundant supply of frogs, ulcers, and time, he had learned to use frog skin grafts to treat not only ulcers, but also several battle-related wounds. So he would cut the skin off the inner thigh of a frog and leave the frog alive, apparently, and then put it on the ulcer, which I guess ulcer was kind of like trench foot is what he was talking about, it seemed like, because people had it on their legs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this included one attempt at using frog skin to graft a bomb wound on a soldier's left buttock. But Kindle noted, dressing on the buttock were difficult to keep in place and the graft was unsuccessful. So you could have frog skin, but not you can't have a frog
2: butt skin. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe if you were really still, you could have a frog butt. Yeah, I feel like we we've got better elastics nowadays. We could we could keep that. <laughs> we could make yeah, it happen. Frog butt yeah. graft. Yeah.